0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: It is the Anfield Wrap. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with you after Liverpool have beaten West Ham United by three goals to one and put in what we can describe as another good performance. A build and block. More on that to come in a second or two. I've got Josh Williams, Josh Sexton, and Neil Docking. Two Joshes, two Neils because that's some sort of statistical anomaly that we're going to have to analyse further. <laughs> uh, but this show is brought to you in conjunction with Green King. We're sponsored by Green King Sport, uh, where football is more than a game. Uh, the Green King Sports venues are showing every televised Liverpool fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, why don't you get together with people? It's the best way to enjoy football. I'll say it every single day. The game only makes sense in a social setting. Get yourself down to your local Green King pub and get close to the action. There's uh, an Instagram page, Green King Sport, where uh, you can, I think this week, you've got me and John speaking about uh, the Carabao Cup and the forthcoming game against Leicester. Uh, I'll tell you what, we did that some time ago. Uh, but nothing's changed, don't you worry at all, that content will still be as fresh as it was the day in which it was recorded. Uh, there as well, there's deals and competitions throughout the season, if you get them a follow, you won't just be the first to know about all this. You're also helping the Anfield wrap, and that's very, very kind of you indeed. You're helping by listening as well, and hopefully you're enjoying things by virtue of listening, because if you're not enjoying this right now, you're not going to enjoy anything. Um, West West Ham are a really good confidence side. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about them, I think, as it wears on because it's important, uh, Neil Docking, I think, to emphasise their quality. But as I said before, the win, the 3-1, it feels like another building block uh, where this season's concerned. Definitely.
2: I think it might be the best West Ham team I've ever seen, which seems like a bold statement, but I was I was thinking about it yesterday. It's probably the best West Ham side in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, certainly, since I've been going the match, without a doubt, they've got quality all over the pitch. So big, so strong, so up for a fight. They've obviously got the confidence from, you know, getting a trophy in the bag. Everyone looks so secure. They've held on to the main man, um, Paqueta. Um what, whatever the reason for that may be, he's still playing for them. Um and he's so good. And I, I was concerned going into the game yesterday. I thought it was a, a real test, especially if us haven't played midweek, they've had the time to focus on the game. Obviously they've been in Europe too, but I uh, I am. Um, I just I just thought we were we struggled at first but we worked our way back into the game and then we really asserted ourselves um, and our quality in attack means we're always going to create chances and um, we, we definitely there's still work there's improvements you can see we're defensively we are giving up too many chances ourselves at times I don't think we're doing enough to stop the cross to stop the ball coming in that was my, my concern and we, we did ride our luck and I think you can say in a number of games this season we, we have ridden our luck we've been fortunate but then at times if you've got the best goalkeeper in the world, then he will make saves that win your points. You can point to two or three games this season where Alisson has played a key role in us getting three points. There was another example yesterday. But the way we the way we fought back, took the lead, and then even when we you know equal, conceded a goal, conceded an equaliser, we didn't drop. In the second half, I thought we were the dominant side and ran out
1: deserved winners. They were deserved winners against what is a good side, Josh. I think what Neil's alluding to, though, to an extent there is... Not dissimilar to maybe the game against Wolves where the, Mate- the Mateus Cunha miss feels like it's a bit of a defining moment. The Bowen, it's not a miss in that he gets the header on target, but he'll feel as though he should do better with it. That said, he does brilliantly with his with his first header. And as we all know, headers are not as valuable chances as people think they are. They're your heart's in your mouth, but the, the, the cold, hard numbers suggest they don't always go in. Certainly the one he actually scores from the first one. But that said, it does feel like another turning point where Liverpool have ever so slightly got away with one but have then gone up the other end and demonstrated their superiority
3: yeah it felt like a very on brand game so far for the season I think Um, in terms of the way it transpired the way Liverpool performed the way we ultimately ended up getting a result I think we started relatively slowly as we have done in many games this season we didn't concede first crucially but we did start relatively slowly Um, but then just gradually throughout the course of the game for the most part our attack and firepower gets us out of jail we get more of a foothold on the game, uh, start controlling proceedings a little bit more. And whether that's just through better decisions as the game goes on, or better physicality, or whatever, or just, again, more firepower and. The opposition may be getting a little bit it's a, more.
1: It's a bit pot A, pot B, and pot C, I think. Yeah, I think there's the, yeah. the, the fit in Liverpool look fitter and stronger. They begin to make decisions and look after the ball better, which means the opposition are charging around, which means that they're losing their edge. And then when Liverpool can work it into the front players, the front players have got such unbelievable quality. You know, I think it is one of those things where you go, well, is it this? Is it this? But it's actually, it's a bit of this one, bit of this one, and a bit of this one all allied together.
3: Yeah, well, I think if you, if you go back to the Villa game, for example, which I think has been our best performance so far, we, we scored nearly goal in that game and we go ahead and once we go ahead, I think it changes the way in which you approach the game, and you're no longer forcing it, you can console things a little bit better, and I think against West Ham, again, we we took the lead at no point in the game, but we were behind or anything like that, we weren't really level for particularly long, so it feels like when Liverpool gain a lead and when Liverpool get, get ahead and things like that, we can console the game a little bit better, and maybe that kind of comes towards the end of the game, but at the start of the game, I don't know what it is lately, we just seems to be a little bit off it, but overall firepower wise and stent wise we we seem to be just too much for a lot of teams to contain for 90 minutes and it gets to a point where we end up just getting over the
1: line it's to me there's uh, why i found the equaliser frustrating josh was that i think liverpool had had the difficult start then they played the way and they got they got ahead and they were the better side and i actually think that by sort of 35 i thought west ham looked knackered i thought they looked like god this is this is going to be a day and then we let them back in. We don't, you know. The, I think Salah drags one wide uh, when he could take the ball on and do something a little bit different with it. And then they go up the other end. They have the, the one corner, which always felt, was felt. I think it was the one that ricochets off Allison's head. Felt a bit messy. The corner we cleared it, but then not score from the breakdown after the corner. My point though is more importantly, really, I, I was frustrated with it because I was frustrated with it because I thought we'd done the West Ham legs in, and then the Bowen miss comes, and then about two minutes later it's sixty. So I thought in the first half. West Ham were by about 35 in the second half West Ham were by about 60 and in both instances at least the second time Liverpool take advantage of that tiredness but that's part of what this team's able to do which is to wear sides down over the course of halves
0: Yeah, and it's, I, th- I thought the first half was really interesting in the sense that you've, you've put down on the agenda that West Ham know what a West Ham goal looks like and they know what a West Ham chance looks like as well and they're able mm-hmm. to I think one of the ways in which they're really good is they're able to give themselves encouragement in games especially when it feels like maybe the game is, is starting to slip away from them and you're right to say that on about 35 it, it, it did feel like that. and it was it was sort of interesting in the sense that this wasn't a, a Liverpool start to the game in the way the Wolves one was where it, it just felt like Wolves surprised Liverpool really it's surprise Liverpool how direct they were surprised Liverpool just by how good Pedro Neto was in, in, in that game as well it didn't feel like that in this one I think there was almost like a Liverpool were going to feel like whatever West Ham were going to throw at them and West Ham just established a, a, a foothold in, in the game quite early and, and then Liverpool go and get their goal first and almost give themselves a, a foothold back but you still see from from that point West Ham chances and that's where you know, as, as as Neil says before, the, the the goalkeeper comes up, trumps for for Liverpool in that moment. But you always feel like there's there's an ability with this with this Liverpool side at the moment to to sort of flip a switch, and and it feels like the manager has, has really nailed that ability to to do that at half-time in particular. But I just think there's so much that, that Liverpool change from from the first half to the second half without even you know it's not even the subs in in, in this one. It feels like in every other game it's been yeah. it's been about the subs and things in in this one. There's there's just a big mentality shift, which as as I say, I think is interesting because of the the way in which they approach it mentally from from the start of the game.
1: There's Josh, this isn't the first time this has happened this season. I had a little look this morning um on Stats at the 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 race chart and the cumulative expected goals. Uh and Liverpool's about 3.09 versus West Ham 0.91 something like that off the top of my head. 3-1 and that comes through in the Wolves when you actually look at the numbers of the Wolves game forget what it felt like and it's slightly skewed by virtue that the Cunha never has the shot so the shot never counts if you know what I mean yeah. but you look at that one 3-1 the Villa one 3-0 like the extent to which Liverpool are actually sticking relatively close to those numbers I think is striking but it also speaks to what's been happening over the course of these games You know, whilst there is for us a fair bit of heart in mouth the reality on the ground is that you know even when you feel like West Ham are doing a little bit for five minutes, they're not always getting really good quality chances away. What they are doing is making the most of the chances they do get with with, with good excellence from especially Bowen, but a couple of other players. But I think it's noticeable that Liverpool repeatedly are approximately where the numbers think they should be. Even if we feel at times a bit like, oh, we got away with that there and we had to ride our luck here. The reality is that if we are riding our luck, we're riding our luck into a good place, not just into a lucky place.
3: Yeah, I mean, you touched on it earlier um, in terms of the, the chances that West Ham created. A lot of them did seem to be headers. They were kind of aerial balls into the box, and they are just generally difficult, to, trickier to convert. Um, but yeah, in terms of the XG and that, you know, if, you, if you're posting 3.1 in attack alone, you know, every game, mate, you, you, you win leagues. You know, that's like serious attack and performance, that. And only on the defensive side, because you're kind of you only really giving away headers. 0.9 is not a great, a great deal to give away so you're gonna you're gonna win comfortably if, if they're your kind of performance numbers attached to most games and i think this is what's interesting because I, I i said to you on the way and like i i think it's difficult for me personally so far to the team and just how good this liverpool team is in terms of the level and that and like the, an example i'd use is say for example we were in the champions league i'd have no idea yet whether we can actually win that i, I think there's a a chance we could but I, I don't know if we're on that level yet but then you couple in them numbers with the fact that we've only dropped two points so far and we're still very much getting to grips with lots of things. It feels like there's still plenty to iron out. We've had red cards in two games. Arguably, the, you know, I keep calling him the architect of this system in Trent has, has missed two games now. Mm. Um, McAllister is 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 not necessarily a lone six and he's been playing as that for, for, in a lot of games and things. Um, we've had a few injuries, one or two. Curtis Jones has missed minutes and things like that. And we're still just kind of. I think we're unbeaten in 18 is it now 18 in all competitions so it bodes really really well and it it could be a case of like quietly like despite us having these maybe scars from the from the previous season it, it could be a case of quietly like Liverpool are building towards being this really dominant you know elite team once again like quite quite quickly
1: Trying to judge where we are Neil I think it's a really interesting point in that now the Chelsea draw and I still think at the end of the season it will look like a good point but right now it doesn't if we're honest about it because they look such a mess Chelsea certainly in terms of just being able to get their way through a football match they don't look that capable of it but that said we've, we've got some other results in there in good places West Ham I so the Antonio comments, and I—I—I I, I was annoyed it wasn't three one when he went off because we could have really had a laugh with it. But a two one, I think we were all right to be a bit more. <laughs> yeah. You know, the ground didn't do it, but I think what the, I think the Antonio comments actually are what you said before about how good West Ham are because he's training every day, and I think he—he—they've th- th- just won the European trophy, and he's going to train. He thinks we're boss. We are absolutely brilliant. And there's a really strong argument West Ham could be one of the best twenty teams in Europe, which is mad given the fact that they'll probably finish seventh, eighth, or ninth in the Premier League. But you can understand how if you're Mikel Antonio, you're looking around the train that you know, you do a day's training, you're going, Paquetta's unreal, Bowen's such a talent, Zuma's this good. I've got Ward Prowse. I was gonna say Ward prowse's delivery. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see how and that's why I think it is difficult to judge because Villa Villa are a really good side as well. I mean, we, we sweep them aside 3-0 earlier in the season. What are Newcastle at the minute? It all feels skewed by oddnesses. I think it is difficult to tell, isn't it? It is difficult to tell yeah. precisely where we are at this moment in time, which is odd given what the table's saying and also where the season's up to. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of points there. Firstly, people used to say stats were boring.
2: When Josh is talking about XG equating to winning leagues, I feel my heart rate nipples. <laughs> you
1: don't want to know about what cities are saying. <laughs> let me just let me just put, put that to you. All right, okay. Dampen it back down.
2: <laughs> um on the Antonio point, um I think he's every right to be bullish. I just think don't say it publicly. Don't say it on a podcast. It's it's just stupid. You've got to be it's
1: careful good. what you say on podcasts. <laughs> Indeed you <laughs> have.
2: It's <laughs> dressing room wall stuff, all the cliches, it's tough. Um the Newcastle win. Um, a couple of weeks ago in a few weeks time that might might look like an absolutely fantastic result I and mean, I already think it is but I'm, I'm sure now when their fixtures are eased they're going to accumulate some points and it's going to look better by the week the Chelsea one obviously we're going to be disappointed about it because they're an absolute shambles but first game, game new manager before all the injuries set in I still think as you said it was a good point um, I, we've gone into this season with, with such low expectations really given the abundance of quality at our disposal because of you know, how last season panned out, how frustrating it was, just how poor we were. But 16 games unbeaten now, isn't it, in all competitions, if you stretch back into last season?
1: That's 18, I think, 18. 18 yeah. Is it? 18, 18, sorry,
2: in all comps? Is it 16 in the league, perhaps? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that momentum is huge. And the quality and depth on the bench, the way we're able to mix it up, you know, midweek, completely rotate, 11 players in, there's so much to be confident about. And the, the quality we're showing in midfield. Is just is just vast. I'm in awe of Sir Uh I know we're going to get onto him, but I'm I'm in awe of him. But, and I, so I was just going to say, that when we know where we are, obviously our next two games coming up, you know, Tottenham away, Brighton away, is going to answer a lot of questions of where we are. Yeah, are we genuinely chasing Manchester City, or are we going to slip back into the pack? Or are we are we chasing second essentially? But this midfield, I just can't wait to see them tested. You know, in those games because so far they've been the match of everyone we've played.
1: Uh, Last thing on it, Josh. Before we get into the individual performances, the other thing I just want to sort of say is I thought it was just a great game of football. Yep. I think you you can you can lose that sometimes in your desperation to see Liverpool win, but I was just some of the quality on show from both sets of players. Um, you know, there was there was a decent flow to the game there wasn't a ton of time waste and I think they felt like that wasn't in their interest it wasn't in ours I think their approach is worthy of of, of of being complimented because it would have been the easiest thing in the world for them to sit in but I think when you are training every day and you feel good you don't want to turn up to a feelers and also and this is where I do wonder whether or not our press at the minute whether or not there's a bit of an attitude of you can get at them you know you start fast, you can get at them, and you can get something from them if that adds to it as well. But it was just a great game of football.
0: Yeah, and I'd actually love to hear Mikel Antonio's thoughts after the game. To be honest, in the sense that we're we're all sat here as Liverpool fans, and we've seen what Liverpool did towards back in the back end of last season, we've seen the way they've started this season, and even we're not quite sure where where Liverpool land. And I'd, I'd be interested to speak to him and say like, what what do you reckon after after playing against them? How, like, how how good you think they are now? Because I think there's every chance that this Liverpool side is, is is a really really good football team, and there's something that all feels a little bit thirteen fourteen about about this. Starts the season, and that's not me sort of trying to preempt where it ends up. It's just that last the back end of last season was a bit of a twelve thirteen thing, where Liverpool hit on a new formation, there's a few few sort of new players who have settled in and things like that, and suddenly it starts to, to starts to feel like there is a bright future there, and that, and that hope comes back. And I just remember at the start of 13, 14, once Liverpool had sort of won a couple of games, just being really, really full of hope that it was that it was going to be a, a, a great season. And again, that wasn't me preempting where it was going to end up. I just thought Liverpool like a serious football team, especially going forward. And I, th- I think there's so many parallels to, to draw between that. Is that even even in the points where it was going, you know, I say wrong, it it didn't go majorly wrong as as Josh said before on Sunday. But even in the moments now where. It looks like, oh, so when West Ham get their goal back and when West Ham have chance and things like that, last season that would have felt terminal to me. Last season I've been like, I'm, I'm really panicking now because this team have done nothing to prove to me that they're, they're, they're going to stay in this game, that they'll fall away, they'll be discouraged, they'll encourage opposition too easily. I'm, I'm not seeing any any of that in this Liverpool side anymore and I think that's the thing that, that sort of excites me most and gives me the most hope. Great stuff so
1: far. I'm back in a second or two. We'll talk about Alexis McAllister, Matip and Gomez. Onto McAllister, then. Uh, you said before, Josh, you know, you know, we're you, still not sure about him as a as a specialist in that role. I just don't think he is a specialist in that role. I think that's all right. Mm. And you got to see, I think, both the strengths and the weaknesses of him in that role. You know, he gets the assist for the Nunez uh, goal in there. It does feel a little bit like he may well want to go higher. But he can see the range of the pitch. He can see where he is. He can he can work out where he's up to. Uh, the flip side is, you know, there is a pace on the turn question uh, around him, and I think that's always going to be there. But it's obviously more marked when he's when he's in, in the area of the pitch that he's in. I'm uh, I'm I'm impressed with him in general. I think he, but simultaneously, I thought he had a bit of a sticky first half.
3: Yeah, I've I've got no overwhelming concerns about McAllister. To be honest, I think he's again like a solid addition going back to the summer, and I think the matter where you use him in the midfield. As long as he's playing somewhere in the centre, I think he'll be a, a, a positive contributor. Generally, um, I think he's, as you say, he's showcasing the, the pros and cons of using a player like that as as the whole midfielder essentially because he's 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 got more of a passing range and he's probably got more of a, a creative spark through him compared to the typical six. Like I think as a six, for example, for Nunes, maybe I'm doing him with this service here, but I can't see Casado making that pass just you know off the top of my head. Like, um, but then in certain moments because he does have that attack nature to his game I think he is also maybe a bit too I think he's inclined to take a risk basically and I think some of those have resulted in those conceding turnovers and his recovery pace isn't great um, we've conceded a few shots on the back of that but overall I think the nature of how he is he's probably the most of a of a holding player compared to all his peers and at Liverpool like Caleb Jones wants to run Gravenberg wants to run, Soboslae wants to run. I think McAllister is a bit more of a city, and he's a, he, he really does play the game at his own pace, and I, I love that, considering like the, the Liverpool team that we've currently got as teammates, they're all so attack-minded and so relentless with this accelerating the game stuff. McAllister is a lot more, I will play at my own pace. It's like a Manchester City pace, to be honest, the way he plays. So I think it's benefiting us in certain moments, and, and probably hating us, probably less so, to be honest, in, in certain other moments, but... I think some people at the at the game for example, like I heard kinda of getting on his back a little bit and I don't think we're anywhere near that level of criticism. Oh, I don't f- think no, no, I, mean, I, mean, I it's
1: wild, other. frankly. Yeah, yeah. At, at this point given where he is neil I think that's an absolutely wild shout yeah, i'm surprised are su- to hear that yeah 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 I, I'm, I'm quite surprised as well it's sound by me though you know what i mean unlike where josh is um, <laughs> there is, um but there is i think there is a little bit of, for me I, I would just couple of times and i think it's interesting there was a point in the second half and i thought he. i thought he and everything worked best in the second half but there's a point in the second half where both him and Robertson tried to be aggressive at the same time and tried to go and win a ball that was just never quite there to win. And both of them were real optimists about it. We'll get there. And West Ham played two nice little bits of play. at almost certainly Piquetta was involved, and then they were turning around and coming the other way at us. And and but I think he is an optimistic footballer. He's a footballer who feels as though he can make things happen, Neil. Mm. And I, but I think and I think you've got to you've got to take that tiny bit of rough with a lot of the smooth that we're getting and I think he's part of how we dictate the play second half before you even talk about the assist. Yeah,
2: it definitely outbalances out uh, any negatives. He, there's a ball he, he tries for Salah in the first half that nearly comes off. He slides yeah. slides one through to Mo. Um, yeah, he's, he's got that eye for a pass. Obviously the lack of recovery pace. He's not slow by any means but, but he's not rapid. Sometimes he's not going to get out to his fullback. I'm not sure if it's the Antonio chance where there's a few of them crowded around Kufal I think Virgil stepped out and doesn't quite get there McAllister's around there I think Jones too and I was a bit disappointed with three red shirts surrounding a one West Ham player that nobody could block the cross coming in so I I think when things go wrong you're naturally going to look at your six and you're going to concentrate on his defensive abilities and think about well could he have brought us more in that capacity but that would be ignoring all the other positive aspects of his game I think you can see how Thiago could be the player if ever finally fit who would swap in for him and could perhaps play that role in a similar manner especially at Anfield Um, but I do think needs of must really we've had to we've had to deploy McAllister there and I think you have to say he's done a really good job overall when it's not really what any of us thought was going to be his role when he first came through the door. What
1: helps is the all-action performances of Jones and Zabuzlai, Josh, the I think Jones is all action until he's absolutely knackered and needs to come off. Uh, Zabaleta may never tire. Um, it's <laughs> still it's, running now. I was going to say that. You know, I was going to say that. It's uh, you know outrageous what you see from him. Not just the idea that the movement's perpetual, but he's also so quick. Uh, and the two of them are both excellent. Not they're not bruisers. You know, they win it back so neatly, so controlled. Uh, I thought both second half especially, but um, throughout the whole game. I thought both were the business.
0: Yeah, and you can see a, a world in which Jurgen Klopp sort of looks at them too in particular as, as, as the fulcrum of his, of his midfield going forward because because of the sort of hard yards they put in. And I'm I'm so impressed in particular by by Curtis Jones in that sense. But but to be honest, I'm 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 completely as as Neil was saying before, bowled over by Soberslay as well because he's just not the player that I thought he was going to come in and be. And that's that's honestly like the best possible compliment I could I could give to him and I, I thought he was going to be you know not a luxury footballer but something something sort of similar to Nunes first season where it is that explosiveness it's it's you know big moments you know long shots from from far away and things like that but he's he's so not that he's, he's got you know legs for legs for days as, as we're all saying there there's so much sort of endurance to to his game and, and Liverpool have turned Curtis Jones into that player as well and I think Liverpool you know the coaching staff in particular deserve credit for that because you know particularly people like me who saw Curtis playing in, in, in the under 21s when he was a part of Gerrard's team and things like that he just seemed like he was like he was some, something sort of close to, to an inside forward or something maybe a little bit like what Luis Diaz looked like last season he, he, there was you know so much skill to his game he was always looking to beat a man and he he can use those attributes of his game to his advantage still there's so there's still so much skill that he, that he possesses and, and can use in moments but the, the coaching staff and what the, the work they've done with him has made him such a well-rounded midfielder. And I think that, that West Ham midfield that, that Liverpool's midfield comes up against is probably one of the most well-rounded midfields that they'll, they'll play against this season. It's it's not sort of, you know, Champions League level of quality. I think Lucas Paketa is, is, is Champions League level quality. But the, they've just got a little bit of everything in that midfield oh, yeah. with the sort of guile of, of, of War Prowse. The, the, they're just, I mean, it, it feels unfair to call Suchek just a grok because there is, there is actually so much more to his game. It feels like David Moyes has, has sort of found his Fellaini re- re- replacement in there. He's so Fellaini. And the way he so used him as so Fellaini. and I mean, there's yeah.
1: a compliment, I loved Fellaini. I thought he was such a nuisance, so hard to deal with. You know, if Suchek's ninety percent Fellaini, and I think he might be. I think he's having a bit of a resurgent season, but he's
0: so Fellaini. He is, he is so Fellaini, and that's that's why I think that Liverpool midfield does. It's, it feels unfair to say the struggle first half. I think the West Ham midfield probably has slightly the better of him in the first half, but then it's almost like Jurgen just tells tells them to to sort of let let the, let the shackles off. Second half, everyone advances forward a little bit more, and I think Soberslay is is, is the leader of that. He he almost needs to be the one that is the highest up and says I'm going to set my stall here you can sort of fall behind from there and protect me and yeah I mean second half all, all three of them I thought came off the pitch with so so much credit Jones' goal disallowed um, I'm I thought Jones' movements, both
1: when Liverpool had the ball and when Liverpool didn't all the way through the game Josh was absolutely tremendous constantly making line-breaking runs often doesn't get it first off they don't use him but it's pulling West Ham players all over the place and Jones is frustrated but he's still doing something that really helps the team because there's the you could see West Ham going when he does that who goes with him because we've got this front three to deal with at the back the midfield's worried about Sabozlai as well to a degree in there as well G- Gomez is being clever Robertson's being clever and you just left Jones is just buzzing around and and as I say I think at times he was a bit like listen I was in there you should have played it but he was really disruptive for them and then out of possession he was he was harrying everything Yeah he, he looks like a proper product of the
3: Liverpool Academy since Klopp's came in since Klopp's had an influence on the kids and what these players should look like to play for me, Jones looks like a proper version of that in terms of just being so intense, energetic, physical direct, loves to press, all that sort of stuff, all that good stuff and I thought he was brilliant in the game. Um, you know, ninety six percent of his passes were completed. That's a stat that I prepared earlier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he just he, he offers so much glue in the final third, and that despite playing in these in these really confined spaces. And he, he he's got a goal in him as we saw. And by the way, the assist for for that goal that was disallowed, absolutely outrageous, just come out of nowhere from Sobu flying
1: sums him up as well. He, 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 well that they're passing to, to each other in that area is one of the things that I think is exciting about them. Yeah. That that the, it's The quality of it, but also, you know, Jones, literally by virtue of the fact that he's offside, we can say this ends up furthest forward. He's made the line-breaking run again, and this time he's just gone a little teeny, little bit too early. But the quality, and also he knows to look for him. and in inverted commas, they've swapped sides. They've swapped yeah. sides for it as well. So that idea, there's that much fluidity, that much quality, that much intent from them they're not just protecting McAllister they're not just winning it back they're capable of all this as well well to be honest it felt very
3: De Bruyne to Gundogan as like the two eights for City and, and one's penetrating the boxing to get in the back stick and the other one's putting like the the, the finest most elegant delivery into the back stick um, so yeah just what they're both offering as a duo they're, they're doing a lot to keep everyone else out of the team in terms of those roles and I think say for example we did get a proper six in I would worry for where does McAllister get minutes? And obviously, you've got Gravenberg, you've got Elliott, but Jones and Sobushlai for me have those two spots nailed down. I think, again, you've got to throw in there about, about Nunes too. I think Klopp said after the game, I thought it was interesting that, like, you know, accommodating Nunes and finding a defensive place for him. He, he, he was talking about Nunes improving on that side of the game, but specifically mentioned the way in which we defend with Sobushlai and Jones and how they kind of press in a really flexible way allows us to accommodate Nunes who's maybe a bit more raw on that side of the game so just complete total all-rounders the pair of them and um, they're still both 22 as well which is just outrageous
1: the soppers lie all-rounder aspect I think it's what Josh is getting at before as well Neil is the thing that's so striking you know genuinely before this argument or not even the argument if, if there was a need for it If he just suddenly started playing number six, I wouldn't go, this is mad. I'd go, okay, yeah, I can see how this could work. You know, he just looks like genuinely Allison and 10 of him would be some football team. (laughs) And it's a crazy thing to say, given the fact that it's now, it's still only six league games. But that's how consummate he looks in his performance.
2: Yeah, he's so calm. Yeah, That's the thing that struck me about him is how calm he is in every situation. I think it's about three or four minutes in he's like juggling the ball in the own box in an iron box on his head and like heads it back to Gomez I think it is he's like alright <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and there was a couple of instances like that during the game where you know he was in very tight situations and other players would panic but he never looked stressed he's, he's telling his other teammates he's giving all the hand gestures to calm down you can see we've got a leader here of captain of his country um, and then he's just able to showcase his, his full repertoire of tricks as well the back heel in the first half to Mo down in the corner where he takes out two players. The ball's bouncing, I think. And then I think it's a second back heel. He pulls it off again in the second half. His range of passing. Um We're yet to see him score one of his sort of trademark free kicks, but I think that'll come. You know, he's obviously trying to punch it, isn't he? And I think mm. it's probably, if you're trying to punch it, if you're trying to hit a free kick like that, there's probably more chance of it either slamming into the wall or flying in. You know, he's not just lofting it over for the keeper to. You won't to see easy. many
0: bigger walls either. <laughs>
2: no, that's true. But you know, you're not just lofting it over for the keeper to easily claim. He's yeah. trying to. He's trying to do something very difficult there. He uh, is, is is pressing. His ability to to chase back and you know always double up. He's just got it all. Uh, if you don't want to get carried away, we keep we keep saying, you know, I mean, you can't really get any more carried away than comparing him to Steven Gerrard, which everybody <laughs> has done for weeks <laughs> now. So and I think the horse has already bolted, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's a sensational footballer and he, and he just looks like he could seamlessly fit in uh, anywhere we
3: ask him to. What more could you ask for? What a signing. I think one of the interesting things about Sobo so far is he's so intense on the defensive side of the game, covers so much ground. Quite obviously, yeah, a product of Red Bull and things like that, in that in that way, but he, he doesn't have the the typical characteristic on the ball of those t- kinds of players, if you know what I mean. So, like, when you think of a player who's so intense defensively, usually when they get the ball, the the pulse is so high that they just force it. Ball, he strokes it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's got such such elegance and and coolness about when he has the ball, but then immediately when he loses it, it's it's like a flick of a switch. Like if you think of again, if you go back to Gerard, Gerard just did everything on the defensive side, just relentlessly running everywhere and that. And when he would get the ball, it would sometimes be equally direct to the extent where sometimes, maybe not later in his career, but in his peak, especially when he was twenty two, you'd maybe have to put your arm around him and say, Listen, calm down. Yeah, he, I was gonna say he definitely didn't have the same measure of calmness. That's the, the yeah, big contrast. Sobo Sly's got such a perfect balance considering he's twenty two. It's it, it is crazy.
1: Okay, um, Matip and Gomez, uh, both proven people wrong in the former's case, uh, me, uh, <laughs> which is always <laughs> lovely to see um, because Antonio Antonio's a lot to handle, Josh uh, Sexton. And I feel as though Matip, you never get him mean, you never get players the quality of Antonio, of Bowen. You know, our forwards go the other way. You can play well against them for 30 minutes, and they only need to do one thing well, and you can. Everyone can look a bit daft, but I felt as though, insofar as you can control and constrain uh, Antonio and Bowen, Antonio more so. I thought Liverpool did a really, really good job, uh, and Mat- both Matip and Gomez were part of that. But I thought Matip, in particular, in the early part of the game, showed a ton of aggression.
0: Yeah, and they look like two footballers to, to me, and I, I think sort of Matip in particular, in that. Joe Gomez has been written off quite a lot in his Liverpool career, but it's but it's always with the caveat of, oh, everyone everyone thought there was a good football there. So if at any moment a good football comes out of Joe Gomez, everyone sort of suspected that anyway. And, and, and you know, when he has his good moments, I, I almost think he probably doesn't get enough credit for the good moments because everyone knows how, how good a football is in there. With Matip, I think people, including me as well, Neil, to be honest, maybe thought he was he was a, a little bit done as a, as a Liverpool defender. He was not the sort of Liverpool defender that I wanted Liverpool to be relying on for, for, for large parts of this season and and he looks a bit to me like someone who's almost has almost heard that and, and and relishes that that challenge of of proving people wrong now because there is there is a sort of aggression to his game that I think he definitely didn't see last season. I, I don't know how much you you sort of saw it in, in season before with Matip in, that there was always the sort of Maisie run in there, but at times the Maisie run wasn't such a sort of aggressive football player as much as a as a searching football player. It was like I'm just going to run with it here and see how far I can get with it, and if I can do something with it that helps helps Liverpool in the sort of attacking quarter, then then that's then that's a good thing. It feels like now. Nah, Oh, there's, there's, there's been a, a couple of times he's, he's done an amazing run already this season and it looks like he is sort of saying "No, I, I know this is a, a skill I've got in my arsenal now and I'm going to utilise it and I'm going to use it to, to Liverpool's benefit but then more than that it's it's the sort of physical battles because it's one of the things I've been worried about with Matip in particular and it's where I'd always sort of want to see Kanate in there and, and still to be honest I, I still would rather have Kanate in there for physical battles and if you'd have said to me at the back end the last week it is going to be Matt up in against West Ham and against Antonio, I'd have, I'd have been worried about that. And, and as you say, you know, West Ham, I, I said it before about the, the, the chances, they're still going to make their chances. Antonio's still going to have his moments of, of being a menace. You're never going to be able to shut him or them down completely. But if, if you wanted a, a, a sort of close to, to perfect way of shutting them down, Liverpool pretty much do the, that.
1: The good thing about facing Antonio is there's no surprises he's going to be Mikel Antonio you know he's not going to become a different footballer very very backing quickly backing into you all day isn't yes it? Yeah. but I think that that sort of suited Matip and Gomez again we'll just sort of stay with Matip for a second move on to Gomez in a minute but I felt as though you know basically Matip knows if I'm getting picked this is what I'm dealing with he's going to pull my side he's going to look to get me over here he's going to look to do this look to do this so what am I doing and I do think that sometimes that that helps a defender. Like you know, I'm, I'm I'm I know I know exactly what this is. I've experienced it before. All right, let's go. That's what it's going to be. And I thought I thought matter that experience element. I actually think you got to see not just the idea of aggression, but also knowing when it is there to be won and when he's he's, he's being clever. Yeah. You know, when, when when's my turn coming? and being able to wait for that turn. It's not just as simple as going through him every single time.
2: That experience point's key for me because. When you come up against West Ham, certainly under David Moyes, you know they're going to push everything to the limits of the law. And, you know, I applaud them for that. But in terms of the physicality, especially when it comes to set pieces, when they throw up in the air. And there's been times in the past where we've been burnt, we've conceded. And I hate that kind of, I hate it when Liverpool concede a goal and you're seeing maybe Alisson throwing his hands up in the air, a defender throwing his hands up. They're all complaining that it was a bit rough. It was a bit unpleasant. Well, you know that's coming. And, and Matip, yeah. you know, Matip knows that's coming It happened time and time again. So I love the fact that yesterday there was a few occasions where it was Antonio was on the turf appealing to the referee moaning when Matip had almost gone over the top of him, really just yeah, smashed, yeah. smashed over the top of him, won the ball. And it's like, well, these are the rules you want to play by these rules. Well, deal with it, dickhead. And, you know, Antonio was lying on the turf and Matip had won it. Matip had said, well, I'll take you on at your own game. And it was the aggression that we saw from him all day. It was, I but it was the a, pick in the moments. Yeah, well. picking the moments, when to do it. You've got to be clever. You've got to be smart. You can't do it every time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Antonio's downfall yesterday is, is so delicious for so many reasons. <laughs> but I loved it. it. Was It was Matip who really did win the day against him and Gomez, you know, winning so many of the headers, so many of the jewels, being right on it from the start and coming out of the game with immense credit.
1: Gomez does come out with immense credit. It's fascinating for me, Josh, in terms of getting to see what confidence can do. He's still, at times, going into midfield here and there. It was all a little bit, you know, he was doing the inverted thing. And he isn't Trent Alexander-Arnold in that he's not going to dictate... the the whole of the game from that position and ping 70 yard balls or really snappy 10 yard balls when the time's right however he got to be a version of himself and he got to be something you know he can't be Trent but he can maybe be something approaching John Stones in that role but he's got to have confidence to do that you've got to the manager and the player they've got to between them get that confidence in them and again I thought you, you got to see that confidence growing within him
3: yeah, I think he's just touched on a crucial element there, in, in that he's, he has to be himself in that role. If he's, he's going to be used as an inverted fullback, there's no way he can have Trent anywhere near his mind because yeah. he's, he's not going to be able to play like that. And I think, to be honest, I think when when the uh, that was initially introduced, I don't even think the plan really was for Trent to become this quarterback. I think he's that's just Trent. Trent isn't able it, that way. But I think if you look at the the other ways in which our rivals, for example, are using the inverted fullback role, it's not. It's not for those reasons, it's for, you know, to remain compact on the defensive side, to offer an extra body in the middle of the park, to open up the passing links to the wide man, and I think if Gomez just plays it simple, a bit like a Zinchenko maybe, or a Stones, as in... Or a like,
1: Joel Veltman, I mean, this is the thing yeah. to point out, Joel Veltman's been doing it for Brighton.
3: Yeah, yeah, just, you know, drifting into the middle, opening up a passing lane to Salah and giving the ball, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be particularly elaborate on the ball and I think the first time in which we saw it was was Wolves win it when he when he played that role. Did he play that role at Wolves? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, I think he w- when we first saw it, I I was initially a little bit worried. Not well, yeah, worried. I think just just because he did look a little a little bit of a fish out of water, but obviously there was there was reasons behind it on that day. We had tired players. It was nearly kick off. Just had an international break and things. He looked more comfortable in this game, and I do think it's something that he would want to avoid ideally. And I think. Probably, I would probably prefer to see Besetich there in a lot of games simply because of what he offers on the ball compared to Gomez. But I think generally, in this game in particular, he kind of showed that he, he is an option there when, when we need him to do it. And if he plays within himself, if he plays um, to, to the level where he's comfortable, you know, we, we can get by just fine and still get the perks of the, of the midfield box. While he can't play the ball Like Trent He has got that athleticism And that ability to surge
2: You know He did his best Matip impression At one stage didn't yeah. me, Where he turns Side steps the defender rides the challenge surges through the middle West Ham don't know what to do you can see I just wish he gone pen spot yeah. I was like he
1: goes edge of the box keep and I'm going. like glad you just go you yeah. got honestly I was, I was I could see it all in front of me <laughs> the moment that we'd love to see I just thought just keep going there go penalty spot see if you can get something in the six yard <laughs> box you just go
2: but he pushes it out to Diaz and as it is Diaz gets a good chance yeah. to put a ball in so you know it, it's it's fairly simple
1: I, um, I didn't want him to carry the ball I want him to lay it off to Diaz oh, and right. then and then, then, make, he, yeah, and then yeah. head it into the back of the net that was, <laughs> Start that was to move that's and finish it that was my Turn of events that I wanted to see play out. That was the sequence uh, <laughs> I had in mind. Just on it, Neil. In general, you know, the 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 manager. We've got to be careful with this because we've seen it in the past. The speed with the chicken flip. But right now, we'll feel as though he's got some options slash riches in terms of what he's doing in defence. You know, we're going to talk about the Leicester game in a minute, but we can. I can imagine it being quite different again. It can turn quickly that, and it's worth saying that. You know, he bought. The thing with the flip side of the injury crisis, when you have an injury crisis, it's dead hard to get out of one because you're overplaying everyone because you're in an injury crisis. The flip side of this is if we can, and I think this is why he's being patient with Canarte, if we can just ensure we're getting the players to be as fit as possible continually, the options remain. And Right now, it looks like he's got genuine options. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge if you can say to Gomez and Matip, you can have
2: a midweek off here. You can have a weekend off here. We all know the stresses on them. Whenever they're play, forced to play three games, and that was the issue last week, uh, last week, last season, especially with the midfield. You know, when we're asking Jordan Henderson to go for the third time in a week. You know the results of that we've seen it over and over again. But as you say, there aren't the same stresses. We're able to rotate and keep the fresh. and We're doing the same with the forward line, aren't we? Because our forwards need managing too. I mean, you know, Jota's had some issues with injuries and you know his body breaking down. Nunes, it seems, his minutes for all he's been so impressive in terms of his. You know, goal contributions per minute. He still needs managing, doesn't he? The manager's managing Darwin Nunes very cleverly. Um, you know, subbing him, using him sparingly, um, and then we're able to do that with the defence at the moment, which is which is perfect. Um, so we've got ourselves into a really good place. And I, I love how buoyant Jurgen was. I love the fact that he came to the cop and you know gave it the fist bumps at the end as well. You know that he, you could see. And again, it was a big result. It meant
1: a lot to the manager. And the mood around the mood music's just great around the club. Okay, uh, we'll be back to discuss the uh, attacking options and the game coming up against Leicester after this clip from post match pints. So, like Stu, is it's just another consummate performance there's no outstanding moment that you're looking at or anything like that but everywhere he needs to be everything he wants to be involved in everything that you you want him around I can't believe how responsible he is he genuinely plays like he's 28 and I genuinely mean that as a compliment he plays like I'm just controlling all this I've got my eye on this I've covered that don't worry about that you go and do your thing over there I'm just I'm a gog he genuinely looks like he's been playing for Liverpool for five years yeah he's, he's, a, he's an incredible player I mean I'd say apart from maybe the, uh, the first game Chelsea away I'd say he's run every every game, every midfield, every game since. Um, he looks like he's been playing the league five years. He looks way older than his years. Thank God he's ours. Um, and you know, he, I think he's almost now like the the poster boy for this new Liverpool team. It's so exciting. But every time he gets the ball, whatever he is on the pitch, he could be thirty yards inside his own box. Sorry, inside his own half. And he, he can see a pass. He can see, see an absolute killer pass. And, and, you know, we've got the players in the wide areas to make the most of that as well. He's an unbelievable player. He's never getting subbed, is he? You notice that? He's never getting subbed. Josh, the breadth of attacking options. Subs have scored in the last three games. I think it's worth pointing that out. I'm, I'm including Elliot because it's... It's, it's cruel not to, and also we end up with the crowd. You know, you, <laughs> if you get a yellow card for excessive celebration, I'm counting it, uh, and we're going to go from there. So, subs have scored in the last three games. It's such a move to be able to make. You know, you think about, the, for instance, that game at Wolves. Elliot, uh Nunez, and Diaz all come on and all make a massive contribution. For me, I'm, you know, we'll get on to what he should do next. But the other thing that strikes me as well is that everyone understands it. For now, at least it feels like everyone knows. But well, the good thing about coming off Sorry, but the good thing about coming on is the opposition are tired. There'll be more opportunity. You can you, you can assert yourself, and that's what I think you get to see. I I think it is as a range of attacking options. I think literally the history of Liverpool Football Club may never have had it better.
0: Yeah, and, and Neil's right to say that the manager is 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 sort of dealing with it all perfectly as well because there's, I think there's almost been times with Jurgen Klopp where when Liverpool have had big squads. He's probably got in his own head a little bit about how he manages a, a, a big squad. I remember when he first came into the club, and he almost said himself, "I don't like dealing with big squads. I don't. I, I love the players. I don't like dealing with disgruntled players." And I think over time, he's probably surprised himself in the way that he's he's, he's sort of found that he can he can manage these the, you know manage having a bit of depth. And I think this season may well be almost the, the sort of breakwater for that in, in terms of I think the, particularly in, in terms of the, the, the sort of front five or front six if you want to throw ben Doak into there or seven if we're throwing Harvey Elliott into there or eight if throwing Subosla into there because I'd love to see Subosla sort of keep being further forward in, in, in a couple of these games. It does just feel like Liverpool have 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 so many good options there, and I think the three that are, that are starting at the moment are, are, are perfect in terms of giving Liverpool this real sort of impetus and and, and a directness and a pace that sides are going are going to more and more struggle to, to deal with and more and more struggle to feel like they can just get out of Liverpool early because they're going to be worried about what's what's coming back the other way now. But I think in a way it suits Gakpo and, and, and Jota for that to be the case as well, And that if this Liverpool machine gets rolling, you know, it, it already does feel like it is rolling to an extent. But if it continues to to roll along at the pace it's rolling along. I honestly don't think those two footballers end up being left behind. I think actually it gives Gakpo a nice bit of time to sort of figure out what his position is. There, there will be games in there because it's the Europa League and we hope that the, the sort of League Cup will, will continue as well. And he gets to figure out his position. And it suits Diogo Jota down to the ground yeah. in that Diogo Jota gets to come in a, a, again in, in this game in the weekend and grab his goal and keep being keep sort of having that confidence. And then it doesn't feel like there's mu- as much stress around his position as well because mm-hmm. Jota is almost the one where... I still don't really know which, which is his best position a, a, across the front three for Liverpool in terms of, you know, th- there's different players you can play him with across that front three, but which one actually suits him the most and, and who who are his partners that suit him the most as well. He doesn't have to worry about that when he's coming on against the West Ham team who've, who've been legged everywhere basically for, for what is it, 70 odd minutes, 60 odd minutes, and then he gets to come on and, and, and have his goal too and, and and have the sort of confidence of that, so I do think the manager is is, is dealing with it, you know, perfectly. It's the the rotation the
1: freshness Josh the the ability to to do it a little bit differently and to start in different ways now listen I actually think that Sunday starting three will be the three for the next two league games and then they might reassess the other side of the international break but I think the idea of the two away is the direct running. The idea that they're making a nightmare as to where you set your line. I think it'll suit them. You know, I actually thought he'd hold Nunez back. Uh, although I thought he was great against West Ham, I thought he'd hold him back. I thought he played Diaz, hold Nunez back, and then unleash him on on Tottenham away and Brighton away. I think they will be the start and for those games that that are to come. But the idea of well, he could surprise. He could surprise. You know, Pasta He could surprise Deservey. He could surprise us. He could surprise the players themselves, or he might have a plan for them. That's what I think is, is genuinely exciting, you know, this is, it is, I'll say it again, it is such a range of attacking talent to be able to call on.
3: Yeah, I think that goes back to what we said at the top of the show, to be honest, in terms of Liverpool coming on strong towards the back end of the games, you know, I think it, it goes back to one of the massive impact and factors on that is just the changes Klopp's able to make, um, there's, there's no real drop, like it feels like his original team, with like Mane, Salah, Firmino and that, and it, it felt like he was legitimate second strings and, and first team isn't and oh yeah it was it was obvious wasn't it and I think now it's just kind of like it's like a conveyor belt really there's no real drop in standard between any of them and um it you know such a high level and I think the three that you've just mentioned I think they're probably the three that are the most difficult to defend against, I would say, from an opposition perspective. They're the most threatening I think um I'm not sure if they're the best on the defensive side. I think you can go with a better defensive three and that's why it will be interesting to see if Klopp trusts Nunes against Brighton in particular Brighton's game building from the back is as good as I've seen and they, they, they really baited Liverpool last season in terms of just enticing the press and just literally walking around as it was embarrassing at times and I think going into this game Liverpool, you know, be to an extent will be licking his lips if he can get it right because if you, if you can entice a team Come on to you and play around them. That's that's vintage Deserby and Liverpool will obviously want to press. So, the way in which we get that right is going to be crucial, really. And if you've got Nunes in the team, who Klopp has touched on as being, you know, still needing to work on that element of his game, that will be an interesting one to follow. But in terms of the attacker, I agree with you in terms of them them three being the, the, the three
1: biggest firepower that we've got, essentially. There's, for me, on it, Neil, you know, going to where are we up to? what's the overall picture even comparison to ambition at the start of the campaign for me the big thing is this we've got the best goalkeeper and the best attack in the league and we had, that on the, we had that on day one we've got the best goalkeeper and the best attack we've got the best five attackers and we've got the best goalkeeper now City have got Haaland and he's incredible you know they've got De Bruyne he's incredible so they're very very close to us and also Edison's a really really good goalkeeper and they've got a lot going on but I look across the rest of the league and I'm going well I'd rather have our goalkeeper and I'd rather have our attackers so if we can sort these other bits out that's brilliant goalkeeper's had his praise a lot recently, but for me, those five, and I thought Gakpo was excellent when he came on as well. Really, really good, really sharp. Jota gets the goal, kills the game. You know, you just go through this over and over again. I thought Diaz had a bit of a frustrating day, but you'd never want to play against him, and he makes he makes what you do difficult. And I just think Nunez. Nunez, to me, looks... He, he looks like the, a genuine version of a way you'd draw a centre-forward if you are an eight-year-old. Uh, that's... <laughs> and I mean that with the greatest love and respect the way an 8 year old draws a house is what a house should look like the way Dar- an 8 year old will draw Darwin-, Darwin Nunez is what centre forward should look like he <laughs> just needs to unleash that ponytail <laughs> maybe after the goal as soon as he lets the hair down <laughs> then you know that's he- what he should do with a 92nd minute winner uh, he's not the shirt do the hair <laughs> then he's a rampaging and Batistuta the, of my dreams <laughs> of my childhood dreams no it is there's Batistuta there's Vieri I said before there's Drogba yeah. the, the, there's, there's a specific type of footballer that I think he reminds you of yeah. and it is that I it is football Italian. It is this it is something that has elements of the exotic, but is also a street fighter at the same time. He
3: needs to uh, he needs to keep wearing the black boots as well. There's something about the black boots, mate, <laughs> yeah, that's just it's just perfect. When he's got
1: the white ones on, he doesn't play as well. I don't care what you say to me, he just doesn't. <laughs> exactly. No, that's what it is. It's it's, it's a throwback whilst also simultaneously feeling like the most modern thing on the pitch.
3: Yeah,
2: and I said earlier, you know, slightly tongue in cheek, but there was something Zlatan Ibrahimovic yeah. about the finish as well, you know, the ball coming over, the the, the outstretched boot. He's He's, he's such a physical presence, you know, constantly. He's asking so many questions, but he does have some really good ability too. I mean, the chance he misses is frustrating because it's such great build-up play. Moe's slipped him in and he's just, I don't know if he snatched at it, but it flew wide of the post and I couldn't believe it really. I was, I was sure it was a goal, you know, before he, before he hit it. But I watched Haaland recently and, and Haaland's a player as well who sometimes misses chances that, you know, you, you boggle at really? There was a game against the Red Star Belgrade where he missed a hatful. There was a league game before that. I
1: think I'm not sure. West Ham. It was when they played West Ham. He, he, you know. he missed two or three really good opportunities again. Yeah. Where, where the ball's dropping to him, and you go goal. Of course. And goal scored that. Oh God, he hasn't. And it's more. Oh God, he hasn't. Than the balls hit the back of the net. Yeah. But the the point is, the next chance is
2: coming. The next one's coming. It's the next cab off the rank, and you know that will score the next opportunity. And that's what Darwin did. You know, yesterday he misses the big chance, huge opportunity, and then he scores the harder one. Yeah, um, you know, so his build-up play now—he's getting so much more involved. The way he's dropping deep, his build-up in—you know—the first goal for winning the penalty, he really does play his part. It's a good ball out to to Diaz, and Diaz—you you mentioned he probably wasn't at his very best yesterday, but he was still a constant threat, a constant menace. He hasn't quite played the right ball. You could see Nunes pointing exactly where he wanted it, slightly behind him, but he's just managed to steer it with the back of his training leg into Mo's path, and you know, well, won penalty. Um, that front three there's so much potential I can see the point when we go away certain games like Brighton we might need to think about do we need the, the sort of cuteness the defensive work from the front that Jota brings there's definitely a case for that but Darwin Nunes whether he's starting now or coming off the bench I'm, I'm just so excited to watch him play because I just I do think I've said it before I said it on the show here with you a few weeks back Yeah, he it, it, it takes us to another level you know Darwin Nunes at his best takes this team to another level and I'm, I'm just
1: delighted that we're beginning to see that I thought it was interesting, I thought Diaz actually got into one with Soufal, which sometimes happens, you know, you almost end up battling your fullback too much, uh, rather than just sort of at times passing it past him, you <laughs> you go, no, 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 I've got to beat him, uh, I, I think Soufal's a really good player, uh, I think he's quite good to watch.
3: He's, he's got something about him, Soufal, where he, he seems to get into those battles every week, yeah. every single game, I think last week it might have been Doku, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just, he loves them battles and you can, he's another one who's kind of a throwback he's proper moist, isn't he really yeah. he's proper moist fullback
1: like. you know he's, as I say I thought I think he, he, he does he does almost turn it into this own bit of theatre that everyone's got to deal with and that probably works for him more than it works for the opponent from time you'd, to time
0: you'd probably rather that from Diaz though wouldn't you because yeah. I, I know you in particular one of the sort of gripes you used to have about Diaz is that he'd it, almost be so far away from his fullback because he'd be coming in and, and turning yeah. inside too early I think I'd rather him Almost overstep the mark that way than than becoming too much of the other.
1: Yeah, but well, yeah, he was playing on the front line, not the midfield, yeah. uh, and dropping away from him. Just last little thought on them, Josh uh, Sexton. Um, I thought Zuma, Ward, Prowse, and Bowen were all ace. You know, I, I'm. I think the, the, the worthy of the worthy of genuine compliments um, in terms of the quality there. I just thought the, the four of them in particular, I thought were terrific. I, I, I couldn't keep my eyes off Paqueta, I thought he was
0: that good. He's, he's incredible, isn't he? And it's, it, it almost seems I, I don't know if it's if it's a shame for for us as such that, that he didn't get his move to, to City in the summer. It's, I mean, it's great for us that he didn't get his move to City in the summer. I think he'd he'd really fl- flourish there, and I think he's a better player than Mateus Nunes. If, if that's the sort of option they've gone with, because they think the Paqueta move is 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 done, he's a sensation. Footballer, and there was there was so much to to admire about his game yesterday. Al, almost in a way, like I, I was almost watching him and Suboslayers like the two oh, the yeah. two quintessential midfielders on the football pitch who, who had that little bit of skill. And Neil talked about some of Suboslayers ones there. There was a couple that that Paqueta did. Um, there was one sort of on, on on the nearby line. It must have been by the managers, and he just completely kills two of our two of our lads and, and, and carries it forward. And there's 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 so much of of that to his game. And that's what I said before about their midfield being so well rounded. It feels like he is almost the 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 bow on that midfield and you know Warprouse has, has come in and done an incredible job for them That the, the, the delivery is there but it almost feels like it, it's, it feels lazy to just talk about James Warprowski delivery because I think there's so much there in, in terms of, of, of a Premier League midfielder and I'm glad that he got his, his move back to the Premier League because I, I think he'd, he'd be far too good for the championship and then Jared Bowen, like you say, I think the biggest compliment we as Liverpool fans can pay Jared Bowen is that if Liverpool do sell Mo Salah at some point, and Jared Bowen is one of a, a couple of players that they bring in. You wouldn't feel the worst about it. You, you wouldn't feel like oh we're, like we're, we're going in a terrible direction here. He's he's a really really good forward and and can do so much across that forward line. He gives he gives West Ham so many sort of different options. You see the different positions he, he pops up in and how much quality he, he brings to that team. Um and and then Zuma is is, is almost the perfect centre half for, for them in terms of he has got that little bit of ball playing ability but but he's so big and and, and so strong as well. Really relishes those, those physical battles. Relishes being able to step into midfield and so. Of you know have a man or almost you know hang off, hang off him as he does so uh, yeah there's 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 so much to, to admire about them I'm I'm just glad that Liverpool sort of gave gave them the respect that they deserved but then also went and, and, and looked like an even more serious football team onward Prowse you say it feels lazy just to talk about his delivery I'm going to be lazy <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is so good it is so
2: good. It's almost like Rory DeLapesque esque but with his feet instead of the throwing. I, I can't remember the last time I've had that fear, that kind of stoke fear, that you know, when a corner was conceded. And, and worse than a corner, those free kicks. Oh, I hate them. Oh, they're the worst thing in football. It's yeah. where Madrid scored against us, isn't it, yeah.
1: as well, yeah. you know, last season when it's just a few yards in. I'm convinced Tim Cale's going to score off them every single time. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and it, he's not played a game of competitive football <laughs> for eight years.
2: <laughs> but that's how it felt yesterday, isn't it? And when they won that one in the second half, you know, that he puts on Bowen's head and Virgil isn't able to, to prevent Bowen from winning the header. I mean, it's a big moment obviously a huge turning point in the game but his quality James Ward-Prowse is astonishing really from those set pieces this really is the apex of Moyes ball isn't it I don't think I don't think we've ever seen it done if they could just dig Cahill up from wherever he is he's not dead I don't know why I use that expression (laughs) they don't need to dig him up that was was an odd turn of phrase if they could just bring him back uh, from retirement then they really would have it all that or laney
1: uh, well yeah uh, absolutely but they're doing the best they can with Sushik. Uh, we'll move on to Leicester um, I'm going to get you to do the team in a second but I just want to start off talking about them they'll probably rest players themselves supposedly uh, I'm going to read direct quote from the inestimable uh, Football League world uh, who said that meanwhile Moreska will also be looking to use a chance to give some other players a run out Connor Cody could be in line with his debut uh, Hamza Chaudy, uh and uh, Cesar Casadai uh, may well also get a, a rare start Vardy unlikely to feature after playing the majority of Saturday's win over Bristol Ian Accio could start instead. Um, McAteer, who's been alright for them, could be in there as well. And Mavadidi could also get in there in the forward line. Um, um I'm... they went a little bit stronger than that against against Tramia in the previous round. I had a look, Josh. They went a little bit stronger, but it's worth now saying they've now played two AFL Cup games and eight league games. There was a midweek last week, uh, which was arguably one of the defining games of their season. They beat Norwich 2-0 away, uh, where I think they had to suffer a fair bit, but in the end, Dewsbury Hall's class uh, saw them home. I think Dewsbury Hall could well be the best player in that division by a distance, now that it's all shook out and settled. Uh, though there's some good players at Leeds as well, but... Um, I'm of the view that these could well be good enough for 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th in the Premier League, uh, and I don't think this will be easy. Even if he makes changes, I don't think this will be easy. I think this is going to be a real. I think it'll be a good game, uh, but I think it's going to be a real game in Anfield. I think it depends what he, the team he goes for, because um, as
3: you say, he's got a he got a packed schedule there and he's got priorities to get back into the Premier League and things like that. So, and he's obviously got if you if you think of it from a Leicester perspective, it's the Carabao Cup and you've got a trip to Anfield. This is Anfield, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you know that's 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 proper underdog stuff. So do, does he really want to dedicate his, his, his most important resources to, to that game?
1: No, I think he'll make four. I, th- I do think he'll make four oh five, But yeah. I'm still saying I still think they might be quite good. Yeah, I
3: think it will well, obviously be a bit of a challenge compared to some of the teams you can face in that tournament. But I I think Liverpool will have will, will have more than enough for this game. And I think the rotation that a lot of people expected to happen in the Europa League I think will probably more than likely happen in this tournament more than anything else yeah. um, and I do think we'll see a lot of rotation I think we'll still see a strong enough team to win the game comfortably um, not comfortably but I think we'll see a strong enough team to win the game and they'll still feature like a Harvey, Harvey Elliott and I think maybe Kwanzaa might come in and uh, players like that but I think it'll be an interesting, interesting run out for a lot of players but we, I think we'll have enough to get through in this one
1: So, Kelleher, Kwanzaa, Basetic, Shimakas. Endo, Gravenberch, Elliot, Doak. All starts? we all in agreement? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so who are the other three and what's the shape? Neil first, then the two Joshers. A lot depends on
2: Canate, I think, and where he is, and where he is, you know, in terms of his reintegration back into the team because ideally I want him at the weekend away at Tottenham. So it might be one for Mattip this. Um, certainly, I think, or, or Gomez. I think one of them's got to fill in alongside Kwanzaa, haven't they? Um, and then I think Diogo Jota hates Leicester famously (laughs) Um, I mean if this cup ties half as good as the last one uh, They're in for a treat. I
1: can't, I can't. I can't live another one like that.
2: <laughs> Never have I regretted giving up a ticket for a match. You know, the week before Christmas, as much as watching that and thinking, "Oh, it's best game of the season."
1: <laughs> I mean, me, me and Andy sat next to it. We were having a lovely chat. First half and second half, we both have given organs to win. <laughs> it was a very, very strange. Turn it was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it yeah, just yeah. Brought, like
2: yeah. one of those games where Anfield just turns into a furnace. Yeah. Um, it's what you live for, isn't it? I mean, on, on a side note, after we scored our second goal yesterday, and we were all over West Ham, there was that five minutes or so where you just think this is what I live for yeah. this is what the week's all about you know when you're on top you've got the second goal and we start pushing and pressing and we're all over them and that buzz I mean it's what we, we just love it there's nothing like it so some more of that on Wednesday please um, Gakpo looked really fresh when he came in um, yesterday I thought in, in his brief cameo and I did think Jota was unfortunate not to add another even though he scored one so those two we round it off uh, I think it could be a really good game like you say maybe a, a close contest
0: I think the front three is probably nailed on to be Doak, Gakpo and Jota, isn't it? That feels like the way you you, you get your minutes into those two. And like you say, you sort of have the idea in mind that the front three that played on on, on Sunday is the front three that plays probably at least two of the next three, if if not all of the next three in, in the league. I, I wonder whether whether he'll want to sort of ride the crest of the wave with Matip and, and Gomez a little bit here and that's where he maybe doesn't do the, the Bajetic right back diddle okay. again like whether he brings Bajetic into, into midfield or whether he just starts endo in, in, instead of Bajetic in this one I, I could I could see a world in which he does Gomez right back again with the view that on Sunday hopefully Trent will, will, will be back fit uh, sorry next Saturday Trent will be back fit and then you bring Canate back in as, as Neil says but sort of depending on, on where he is up to I, I just wonder whether you, you, you do sort of use them to as, as the listen there's, there's loads of lads there who play in the Europa League game and you can almost say to them you know the subs come on in, in the Europa League game but you just gave the foundation for, for, for us to go on and, and, and win that game just go and do the same here go and go and sort of be solid second half we'll, we'll come out again and, and we can discover things from, from there I just wonder whether he, he will sort of want to use that confidence of, of Gomez and Matip to build off that What do you
3: think Josh? Well I've just done a little team here just very quickly while he was talking. Um I'd go Kelleher in goal and then I think possession will will probably get the right back role. Gomez, Kwanzaa and Simikas. Endo is the six. Elias and Gravenberg is the two eights and a front three of Doach, Jota and Gapo. And I think the only question mark with that would be whether you want to give, want to give Can- Canati more minutes um, rather than playing him in the Premier League like he did in, in you know, we obviously gave him the minutes in, in the Europa League, didn't he? And if, if Canati comes in, that may be plays with it a little bit because then potentially Gomez goes on the right and plays the inverted fullback again
1: but then where does percentage play so but I think that will be roughly a team personally I, I think he'll use his bench and I think he might use a half-time thing it wouldn't surprise yeah, me if, possibly, just, yeah. if he's got a bit of a like for instance he might either start Canate and bring Matap or Gomez on for him at half-time depending on what the team's being or he might start uh, might do it the other way where he starts Matap or Gomez and gives Canarte 45 he's done that before in this competition I think as well, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a little bit of of uh, Bobby Clark for Ben Doak around sixty minutes, uh, a little bit of if it's worth saying, it's now a long time since Trent Alexander Arnold's played football. I think mm. there could be an argument that you get half an hour of Trent somewhere in this as well, but then I think the flip side of that is I think the one thing he could sort of do with is whether or not there's uh, he might and again as part of this, it wouldn't surprise me if he starts Gakpo or Jota and start someone else another young prospect or something uh, so he's got the option to either break glass if we want to chase it as it wears on or to 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 not over-exert players uh, and do 60s and 30s so I, I think this, I don't think it's just an 11 here I think this, he'll also have his ideal world plan for 16 if you see what I mean that he can that he can compromise
3: around Yeah well I think that the trend comment is in the system obviously because you, if you've got a factor in we've got, we've got Brighton coming up and we've got Spurs coming up and you want Trent might ideally have some minutes on the clock before you know going into those two massive games so I think he I'm not sure he'll start but I, I do fancy that he, he might get about half an hour if he's fit enough to do it like yeah that's what I think um, looking forward to
2: it yeah really looking forward to it I and mean, one of the things about starting a season as well as we have because this has been brilliant like, it's been absolutely brilliant I don't, I don't know if I saw it coming I, I know we're all sort of keeping a lid on it trying to keep yeah. a, bit of a lid at, but it's been brilliant this start of the season absolutely fantastic just week in week out we're playing some really good football scoring loads of goals it's the XG of title winners I've heard <laughs> 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 I'm enjoying every minute of it and when you, when the league campaign's going so well then the cups become like a really lovely bonus yeah. don't they chance to see different players you genuinely different get excited for the
0: team sheet an hour before Yeah, out, absolutely. Before the it's just
2: something totally different yeah. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it the post-match pint's going to be a good one
1: It is indeed. Uh, It is indeed. Thank you very much uh, to Neil, uh, to both Josh's, Andy and Jordan, for producing in different ways. Uh, Liverpool have dug up their hopes of a fantastic (laughs) season, but not like Tim Cahill, they never really went away. It's the Anfield rap.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.